0: Hey church, Uh, so glad to be with you today, and we are finishing up our series called Multiply Faith Conversations with this last session, which is kind of a a twosie. So I got Michelle here with me again, and and Missy's joining us today as well. All right, so we're dealing with some pretty heavy topics today. We're gonna talk about church leadership, we're going to talk about church injustices, and then we're going to talk about church framework and, and some of the changes that we've made as a church uh, through this pandemic, coming out of this pandemic, and why we've done that, and and what what that means for the church in the future. So, um, church leadership. What we really want to talk about here uh, is, is just... Uh, a lot of things we see on social media and in the news and, and, and really, and we can really only speak to Western church culture um, uh, because that's the church culture we're in, and how uh, toxic that can be sometimes. And, and a lot of these a lot of these moral failings, fallings, church leaders, um, just messing up and, and, and all those things. Uh, has, it's caused a lot of people to deconstruct their faith, to, to reconsider church, to, to try to figure out, um, is this the type of culture I want to be in? Is this what Jesus represents? Uh, all, all these questions, right? And before we jump into that, I just want to say to everybody that um, the manner in which and the, the, the way you deconstruct something... And the emotions you attribute to it have a lot of influence in how you actually deconstruct something. So uh, there's a lot of people who deconstruct their faith with an angry emotion. Well, think about, think about um, you know, a child building a house of cards or maybe like blocks and then just destroying it, right? That, is what's, that can potentially be what happens to your faith. And that uh, sometimes, like church leadership we're going to talk about, uh, there's an outside influence that causes that anger and that emotion to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'd also say that for a lot of people, a questioning, a deconstructing, a seeking in terms of trying to figure out what your epistemological foundation is, terms of why you believe what you believe is necessary for your faith and for the church in general in each generation mm-hmm. i think it's necessary i think we need to deconstruct mm-hmm. the church and say what works and doesn't so go back to this imagery of, of of blocks and 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 you know building blocks and we have this thing we could go to the church or we could go to our faith and just like totally destroy it or we could approach it in love and say, okay, this piece doesn't fit right, so let's put it to the side. This piece over here shouldn't, doesn't really belong in here, so let's put that to the side. And that way we don't destroy the things that are good, mm-hmm. that should be maintained. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, what our parents used to say, right? Or their parents used to say, "That's like, yeah, but we still (laughs) say it. We still say it. (laughs) Um, We keep the baby, uh, and we throw out what's dirty and what is non-essential and what has clouded or obscured what uh, the actual purpose of the church should be." And, and so this conversation and this entire series has been doing that. We've been trying to approach these topics with love. Um, and, and I know it's hard, guys, when, when there's external things or there's people involved who have, uh, who have offended you or done something to you or there's trauma, um, for you not to react in anger. But if you're a follower of Jesus, <clears throat> if you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to, to try to put that aside as much as possible and to act in love. And that's what he wants for you, to see the truth of what's in front of you, to see the goodness, and to discard what's what's bad, um, but to keep and maintain what's good. And so this conversation is going to be a lot about that. It's what we try to do in our church uh, here at Trinity Life in terms of Deconstructing the church framework and, and reconstructing something uh, that is kingdom. And so uh, we'll get to that in a second, but let's start off with church. Leader. Well, first of all, do you guys have any comments on what I just said?
1: No, I think that's great. That's like, um, yeah, it's a very helpful way of looking at deconstruction. I think it's good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think there's a healthy perspective there because, you know, knowing somebody who, for a couple generations removed, you know, they put a lot of faith and trust in. in but then when they saw things that didn't work out it was just it was just gone I don't even think it was like necessarily out of anger there's probably anger in the beginning but you know just it has the potential to do that but I think the point of why you believe what you believe is is very important
0: yeah and that's that's a good segue because once if if you put too much trust in a, a a leader of a church uh I'm trusting the right word if you put um, if your faith surrounds yeah. that person, right? Because mm-hmm. hopefully you can trust your leaders and, yes. and you want to. And there's three of us sitting right here. So uh, we want you to be able to trust us. Um, but at the same time, we're to be held accountable and we're responsible in a certain way. And so let's let's start off here in First Peter chapter 5. We recently preached this passage. Adam did a great job of, of preaching through this for us. This is just... Uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 1 through 4. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So right there, we're talking about the sufferings of Christ, right? Um, and, and so that is the context for how we operate as as leaders in the church. It's in the sufferings of Christ, not, not in... Um, uh well you'll see you'll see in a second so as well he says in the glory that is going to be revealed so you have sufferings paired with glory so you have christ suffering we also have christ conquering uh so in, in because of that verse two shepherd the flock of god that is among you so that that helps us understand jesus when he talks about um being a good shepherd and he has a lot of imagery and stories around that so shepherd the flock of god that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock so that's just we'll stop there that's verse three so that's kind of the context for us right not domineering not under compulsion shepherding um Exercising oversight, so protection and care and guidance, and that's where the trust factor comes in, um, and, and then leading the flock, so going out in, in, in front, in a sense, and making sure it's, it's, it's clear, um, but uh, as the next verse says, Jesus is our chief shepherd, so he's really the one who's out in front here, and, and he's the one who's the head of the church. He's the one leading us. I view my role, uh, you know, if you think of, you have this imagery for the body of Christ. Um, people often think the pastor is, is the head. I'm like, well, no, that's Jesus. I view my role as the feet, um, pointing us in the right direction. I hear from the head, and uh, I point us in the right direction to go as a church. And so I should be the dirtiest I should be the <laughs> I mean,
2: smelliest. The smelliest. Yeah, that's probably a better,
0: a better, a better word to use.
1: I'm but smelling yeah. something right now.
0: That's <laughs> that's yeah. her. Um, Coming from the way, Yeah. <laughs> so, and like I should, and as he says, you're an example to the flock. So, you, I should say, imitate me as they imitate Christ. Not because. Not because I'm uh, better than you are, but because I'm going, I'm willing to go ahead to show you that's okay, um, and uh, and we have many of those in our church. A lot of our a lot of our leaders would fulfill that that role as well. Yeah. So, uh, but in the we, we've seen a lot of a lot of uh, celebrity church pastors fall recently. That's definitely something about megachurch culture. Um, and Western church culture, um, but for as many of those as we see, we probably we probably don't hear of ten times as many that are falling who uh, don't lead megachurches, who aren't celebrities, who no one even knows. Um, and I know a lot of those stories actually because um, they're friends of friends, or you know something like that. and And so let's let's talk about this real quick. Let's let's talk about church leadership. Um, and let's just start off with like, how do we guard because uh, we're not here to point fingers, um, we're not here to condemn, we're not here to, to judge. We're just here to say, okay, how do we, how do we move forward? Uh, so how should we respond to and how should we guard against abuses in church leadership? Well, what do you guys what are your thoughts on on that?
1: Yeah um, in terms of how to respond, I think it's always helpful to- just step back and just look at try to understand what how God responds and how he mm. sees it right mm. and um you know it's it's very easy for any kind of um issue for us to be like oh yeah like point fingers like them yeah. me right in general God takes any mistreatment of others seriously yeah right that, and I funny. think like it's so easy just to kind of make ourselves feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not that bad, right? Mm. Um, so any mistreatment of others is taken very seriously by God. And all throughout the scriptures, we can see that um, he sees and he's attentive to those who suffer at the hand of others. Like, he is on the side of people who are taken advantage of are exploited mm-hmm. are um, not cared for in the way that we're supposed to be. Um, and so for that's, that's the first thing. We have to, like, acknowledge that. And then um, he, the other thing is, he promises, like, he will avenge, right? Mm. So, and I think, like, that anger, what do we do with that anger when we hear these things? Like, I think um, we do have to respond. Like, I, I will, I'll get to that. But I feel like just knowing that God is going to make things right, he is going to avenge. So that kind of, um, it 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 takes that pressure off of us, I think, to... Um, yeah, to to be God and make things right. I guess yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, so th- I, I think it's helpful to think about that first. So He does take abuse seriously. Like I heard somebody once say, all abuse, like any kind of, because there's so many different types of abuses people talk about nowadays. Like all abuse is spiritual abuse because it impacts our relationship with God. It impacts our how we our spirit. Our, um right. And so He takes it seriously, and know, um, yeah, we can talk about that. But in terms of a first response, like. I do think that um we need to take it seriously like when these things happen and not just you know um minimize or and I think we tend to focus a lot on like you said our anger we focus a lot of our anger on the person who has mistreated someone but I think our first response should be to the person who has suffered and um yeah just kind of um being compassionate and yeah, because you know we talk about like mercy and grace and um, that I think sometimes we we think like oh let's show grace let's like um, which is we need to do that with those things but I think that justice can still be grace it's loving right to hold someone accountable and so um, yeah but definitely um, showing compassion for the victim so even like when I parent my kids like if my son which he does this. <laughs> hits my daughter, like, my first response is not, ah Jasper, ah whatever. It's always, oh, Eden, oh, ouch, no, right? Like, I side with her, and then that already convicts my son. Mm. <laughs> like, he's already, oh, like, so, and, and then the victim, because sometimes we ignore the victim, right? We ignore the person who suffered, and right. so there's yeah. some, it's something about validating and, like, siding and be, showing compassion
2: for the person suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of, like, what I yeah. think as a
1: response. Guarding is a whole different issue, but... Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think I those think are definitely certainly good responses is is first. Um, I think another one is, like, humility. Because I think when we start, like, pointing the finger and just saying, well, like, oh, look at what this person, you know, did or didn't do, like, you're kind of already elevating yourself that you would never do something like that. And so I think along the same veins in in terms of parenting, I remember, like, before having kids, you kind of saw other parents and – um, you're like, oh, well, I would, I would never do that with my my kids or something like that. Like, <laughs> you say that
1: I would uh, never.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, you totally good. Once you have, I mean, it just changes the game, right? Yeah, so, you
0: set yourself up for failure.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that humility needs to reign in the situation. Humility is, like, is a really good important check for yourself. Yeah. Um, before you just kind of start essentially getting on like some sort of like high house of like or high horse horse mm-hmm. horse.
0: High yeah, horse. High
2: horse. Yeah. Our <laughs>
0: grandparents used to say that too, I guess. Yeah,
2: we're on the
1: we're on that vein. Like, right. I was just My grandparents didn't that. say that. Yeah, like, <laughs> we didn't ride horses.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, how far <laughs> I back do you we know go that for that. horses? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but yeah, yeah
2: I think that's a, something that we'll like like gut check, you know, and like heart check with ourselves. Yeah. Right?
1: Anytime we play Judge, it's like we have to remove like the plank. Yeah. I think I said that <laughs> in the last message that we did the last conversation. So yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I think. Um, so, so just taking pieces of what you both said, um, humility, yes, definitely, and then you talk about accountability, and um, we just get those out of order. Mm-hmm. Right? We rush to
1: rush to yeah.
0: holding someone accountable or we think we do by really demeaning someone on social media or pointing the finger or, or ju- being judgmental. And the reality is, guys, uh, let's just take um, let's talk about like these celebrity pastors who have fa- I mean guys in the past couple years there's been a lot of them and some have come out after people have been have been dead and have already passed and um, and I mean we can throw in there there's an epidemic of suicides among young pastors like there's, there's a whole bunch of issues surrounding this um, and 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 I say humility first; that needs to happen first before accountability, because oftentimes we think, well, we would never do that, or we know what they're going through, and, and we have no idea. And so, yes, let's go to the. Let's not forget about. Um, let's not forget about the uh, the victim, the one who who experienced abuse under like hard leadership, or there's there's trauma that the church has done in the past. If we want to go into uh, a lot of historical stuff. Um, and we tend to forget the victim because we put accountability first. And so what humility can do is help us surround those who have been hurt by this. Um, and I think we assume that the the party who, uh, I guess the perpetrator, doesn't feel doesn't feel any remorse for what they did so we need to make them feel remorse and uh, that can be the case sometimes but i think a lot of times that's not the case we're just we're just beating down uh somebody who also needs love
2: has experienced that right i mean you made a good point about like not knowing what they're going through and it's not to give excuses or a pass for what was happened but like i mean we're talking about church leaders like industry's hard. It's 24-7. It doesn't shut off, you know? I mean, I, I, you know, personally experienced this in, in our home. Like, there's, there's, like, a lot of, like, like, constant stress and anxiety that's going on in place, right? So, these are things that, you know, we need to recognize as well, you know? Like, like, look to not just, okay, what happened, but maybe, like, the why and how it got to this point and how, you know, coming alongside to, be a brother and sister in love, humility will be really helpful because it just, yeah, yeah, there's...
1: there's This reminds me, like, I um, in the past, I went through a situation where somebody in our community, a leader, went through a failure, Um, and I remember hearing people respond to that, and somebody very lovingly in our congregation said, this is all of our failure because, like, we failed you. We, like, and so I think that, like... That acknowledges that um, at the end of the day, um, this could be all any of us, this could be all of us, mm-hmm. and there is and we can talk like again about guarding because I think there are specific things like we like yeah. that could prevent these issues from happening um, but yeah, I think that 's so important. God is so compassionate towards every wrongdoer, every person mm-hmm. who, and even in like I think of David, like he sends messengers, he is like patiently waiting for even um, for us to repent when we, so I we don't want to be God and like play judge and try to like rush things like just also trust God right with his 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 way. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and and yeah, you're right. Who's patient and gracious with David? Who he made some pretty egregious errors. Yeah, um, abusing
1: his position, like abusing of his power. position, yeah.
0: and he was blind to. it. He didn't even realize. Some, I mean, Nathan tells him this story about another guy that's it's parallel to his story and doesn't realize he's that guy. Yeah. Um, he, was so, he was so blinded. And, but when someone comes in there and, and speaks on God's behalf rather than on their own behalf, uh, and I think that's, that's the issue sometimes. People think they are speaking on God's behalf. But um, when you speak not in the fruit of the Spirit, guys, you're not speaking on God's behalf. Yeah. Sorry. Like, and and that's what most of social media is. Yeah, and
1: it's like yeah. not patient. It's not kind. It's not loving. <laughs> um, right.
0: Yeah. Right. And uh, like Missy was saying, um, we don't. A lot of what uh, everyone doesn't realize about church leadership, and again, this isn't excuses. This it's not justifying anything, okay. because it, it's going to lead into what we're we're going to talk about next in terms of guarding. Is uh, what, a lot of what you don't see is. Um, the hours uh, of prayer uh, behind the scenes, mm. the tears that are that are shed in the home the, the, like, it's not a job guys, it's not, you don't clock in and clock out, like, it's spiritual always warfare. here, yeah, yeah spiritual, spiritual warfare, warfare goes into that. Yeah. the emotional stress of it, and and I think that says something about the culture of how we do church, mm. and, and in particular, uh, the, the western church and I've been reading through the gospels recently about just specifically looking at how Jesus leads and how he's there um, shepherding his His disciples and it doesn't look like what we, uh, what the church typically looks like um, today and, and so uh, let's talk about guarding mm-hmm. like how do we now create a culture where um, we guard more of this from happening and we can we can reduce this because uh like recently uh, just in the past couple weeks missy and i we know somebody who was leading a church thriving looks like the church being blessed um i mean people are coming to faith all this stuff and then there's a moral failing of of the of the pastor who'd been there for decades um, since the beginning. Founded. Plant yeah, founded the, the church. And um and and so that like that's just in the past couple of weeks. And uh and the church immediately kind of cut him off. So they're not like and I and I get it guys, like he has he he's he has a different level of responsibility. because yeah. uh, he's supposed to be an example and, and you know, what we read in first in Peter five. Um but it's almost like you're not a brother in Christ anymore. Or it is like that. You're not a brother in Christ anymore. And so he's completely isolated now. Um, he's, like, um, kicked out of camp, right? Um, and he has no... All his relationships he ever knew, he doesn't have those anymore. And so he's just, like, out there in the wilderness. And he's, uh, and he's one of those... He didn't lose his faith. He's still... He just... He made some egregious errors. Yeah. Um, and... And so, how do you get someone like that to get back, to to get back into following Jesus um, with passion and fervency? Uh, but then, the church, well, they're like, oh, well, that's just him. They're not, they're not addressing their church culture. They're like, oh, we'll just bring in the next person mm-hmm. a, into the same culture. And you're like, oh, wait a second. Um, yes, there's a responsibility here with the individual, but how do we take responsibility as a church yeah like
1: this is all of our failure right, right. Yeah, as a community um, i think there are some pretty like important things like we talk about like you said mega churches and all that um, but i feel like accountability is important and what i mean by that is it's kind of like it sets you up to avoid hiddenness avoid mm-hmm. things from getting worse cuz I will tell you, none of this stuff happens overnight. Like there is not a like these stories you hear, it's not overnight. It's like little things along the way. People get away with things. They get with it. They're more and more blind. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's even worse when they know what they're like. They like that that that's like true abuse. Like when you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're doing it right. And that I think actually that's more severe. And I think that um, that needs to be handled like differently. Like there has to be consequence. There has to be like um, for sure. Um, so accountability, like everyone should be accountable to someone. We should be, have people around us. Um, um peop- uh, like everyone, there should be room for everyone to be corrected and disciplined. And like, it, it shouldn't be like, oh, we're not, we're above that. Or, you know, everyone should have that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. And that, that's like, and it's love, like discipline is love, right? It's not allowing someone to continue in their sin, right? So, um. Yeah, those are some some things. Like I would say, accountability is really important. Um, yeah. Avoiding hiddenness. Yeah.
0: So that's good. Now, what does that look like? Yeah, what
1: does it look like?
0: So let's flesh that out. Yeah, like um, a, a lot of because a lot of church leaders they they had this environment and they didn't they didn't necessarily mean to construct this environment, but it became an environment where no one could challenge them.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's also not safe like we've created a church culture or ch- like where it's not safe for leaders <laughs> to like confess their struggles because people put them on a pedestal right, yeah. like, right. Yeah. so I feel like especially leaders should have safety like in sharing like their struggles where they're you know um, and it's like as soon as someone makes a mistake it's like we, we, we like like you said cancel culture we talked about before we cancel them and it's like well that's why they're not confessing things because they're afraid yeah. like
0: so yeah I've, so guys, in our church, Trinity life, in the early years, I confessed a struggle to somebody, and then they used it against me that's like that's that's the hardship of it right and and uh, that's that's tough when uh, when you're in a leadership position and that happens and I'm like, well, how can I who should I trust with these things? Mm-hmm. Um, and leadership is very isolating, like, um, and and really uh, because of my role in our church, no one really knows what I carry. Not even Missy. Um, and I try to share it. I try to, but but in conversation, it's it's tough. So it's very isolating because of that. And uh, and and so it's. I, I recognize the difficulties in creating a culture of accountability um, and we'll get to this more in our church but in our church that's why we have a team that, that helps lead this church and not just one not just one person not just one yeah. person yeah so you I s- mean I think
2: that like so one one thing that can help alongside with accountability is like ownership right like I remember uh, I don't know a few years ago so, you know, somebody was saying like well, well what are you going to do about talking to you know or even me, like, well, what are you going to do about this in the church? And, it, and we need to change language to we and us, you know? Yeah. I mean, even in, on um, this is outside of the church context, but, you know, I worked for a company for a long time where it was a very flat organization. And everybody had to have a piece of ownership to what they did. Um, and it ran so much smoother that way, right? Because it wasn't everybody just looking to, you know, one person to get something done. Everybody mm-hmm. owned their percent and, and did it, right? Right. So...
0: Right, that has a lot to do with it. And, and just one more thing on this um, before we start to transition. Uh, I and uh, Michelle kind of talked about two different groups here, and there may be more, but there are some people who are just really who have intentionally sought to abuse and do things. The majority of the people I know and that I've talked to and dealt with um, – they never intended to hurt people. They, they didn't get into ministry and in church leadership and saying, you know, at year 20 after I've planted this church and, and uh, given my life for this and, and built this thing up with Jesus, I'm gonna have an affair with my wife and ruin everything and throw it all away. Like, I don't know any, uh, I haven't had a conversation with any church leader who said, that's why I started out in ministry, to throw my life away um, after 20 years of giving my life to this. Um, and I think that's helpful for us to recognize because you can. I mean, there's so many people you can name over the past decade who we just pushed aside instead of recognizing. Oh man, they just lost their way, mm-hmm. um, and how do we get them following Jesus again and being and and uh, being a child, walking as a child of light. So, um, but as Michelle was also saying, you're saying. Um, there need to still be real consequences. That doesn't absolve uh, from that.
1: Yeah, and and it's this is such a complex issue. It's not that yeah. simple. It's not, like... Um, so it's really challenging. Um, but I think, like, those cases where those situations happen, like, again, something allowed that to happen as well, right? So yeah. anyway, I just... We definitely need to change the way we are doing church. And just to be clear, accountability is not just for leaders. It's for everybody Everybody. in the community. Everyone. We all need this. Um, Because collectively as a church, when we fail, that impacts the world, right? Like everyone's watching us. Everyone, um, we are representing Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody needs it. It's not just, oh, that's just on the pastor or the leader or like, yeah, everyone needs it. So anyway.
0: So these are, and we're we're kind of talking inside the the family here, the family of the larger family of God, the Universal Church. Here, um, very rarely do pastors falling and failing make global news yeah. Or, yeah. or history. Um, uh, uh, so, but there have been church injustices that are record of history that yeah. are global news. So. Um, and I mean, here in Canada, we've recently had one of those where everyone's really now saying, "Okay, we we have to rectify this injustice that was done um, that the that the Catholic Church perpetuated for for years, and that the government was complicit in or um, partners in." And so, um, so we've been that's been very much in the air here in in Canada. Uh, but we can go, you know, for... I mean, there's yeah. there's so many instances here. So how do we respond as followers of Jesus? How do we respond uh, to to these injustices? What do we do as a church? But also, how do we respond when someone talks to us about these things? Yeah. Um, and maybe who is outside the church.
1: Yeah, I don't know um, what your experience is like, but definitely... Um, more so in our generation. Maybe it's always been around. I don't know. I I don't have the benefit of knowing people, many people. I'm the first Christian in my family, so I don't have, like, you know, lots of parents and grandparents who knew Christ. But what I've experienced is that's the first thing that people want to talk about when you share your faith is, like, all of the stuff that the church. And you feel this, like, I have to apologize on, on behalf of the church because mm-hmm. we have failed. And so that's, like... Um, you know it, again not separating ourselves like us versus them like we are all i love what you said in a video a post i saw on on our social media in response to the injustice saying like oh a lot of people can say oh that's the catholic church right they did that but like there was a church or like the church was like we were <laughs> everyone else was around and mm-hmm. we allowed it to happen so mm-hmm. we're all responsible right mm-hmm. and so i do think that having that humility again and also just recognizing that acknowledging that yes it wasn't right Mm -hmm. It wasn't right. And just that is like a first step. It's not right. Um, It's not God's will, (laughs) like, for these things to happen. Um, But, yeah. And sorry.
0: I was just going to say, I think immediately when an accusation gets leveled, most people put up their guard or go on the defensive. And, uh, And as the church, most people that I know... Who have talked about these things would, would not apologize. They say
1: that wasn't me. They
0: say yeah, that wasn't me. Yeah. Or, that's not the church. That's like those who they try to make a distinction. Those are fake Christians. Yeah, those are yeah. real followers of Jesus. And Guys. you're like, <laughs> you're talking to people like you can't split hairs to someone outside the church like that. Um, and that's that's a legit argument. Like, but they're associated with what we call the church, um, and and so yeah, I love. I love just the humility, apologizing, and recognizing those up front. Uh, it's 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 empathizing. It's it's basically what you're talking about with Eden. It's what it's how you it's how you empathize and uh, you do this in raising kids and counseling with your spouse, with your friends. You start by recognizing, yes, that's I'm, I'm sorry that happened. That's an egregious error. Like yeah. I want to be with you in, in the pain of that.
2: Which is so disarming, you know, like for the person. You know, if you, yeah, they, like, I've had that guard. experience. People yeah. are
1: disarmed. Exactly. And I would even go a step further because I think like Christians have this reputation of being hypocrites mm-hmm. and being like above whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I would even quote First Peter 4, 17 for it is um, time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it yeah. begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not? Be? And I just think of like guys like... I I tell them the church will be held held accountable like we will be held accountable for these like God at the end of the day he's going to make things right he is going to so there will be we will be held accountable and just kind of like separating the church from God like because I think um, people will look at the church and then therefore reject God right and just acknowledging that God is not like this and I think that also needs to be said Um, but yeah that's that's like one thing
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and people are leaving the church, or they see the the gap between the church and who who they they understand Jesus to be, and who God is. And I mean, I there's a lot of people who are saying, "Well, Jesus says that, but the church doesn't look like that. So why would I want any part of that when you say you're following Him, but you don't look like that?" Mm-hmm. Um, And that has been a big impetus for us, has been one of them, to, to, and I've always questioned the church and how it should be, I mean.
1: Me too. um, And. (laughs) Most leaders do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's why we want
1: something better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we just, yeah, we want something that is supposed to be doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right? Like living on mission and changing lives and bringing people to to Christ instead of just doing our church things. Um, And so what we've done, you know, you have church leadership, you have these church injustices, and I'm saying, and we've said, how should that affect our local church, our church in particular, Trinity Life Church? What does it look like for us to say, you know, that's not healthy. That's bathwater that we need to get rid of. That building block doesn't fit and, and change that. And it's very rare that actual innovation happens in the church. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the best we get in creativity, I think, is like new worship songs or a smoke machine, like, and lights. Like, instead of, like, how do we actually reconstruct church polity, like church governance? Like, why aren't we thinking about that? How do we actually reconstruct the framework of the church and how do we get back to the kingdom and and so those are all these questions like if we're to be making disciples and we're not making disciples something has to change and if you say that to most church leaders today they say well we are making disciples i do discipleship for 40 minutes every sunday morning <laughs> when i preach say no that that's not life on life that's not that's not life together um, that's not the one another lifestyle, and and so how do we make the church an actual discipleship? Um, uh, you know what we say, organization machine. Like how do we make it uh, a true family of God where we're living life together as as disciples? And so those are the questions we've been we've been asking, um, and our church has moved forward in that. We talked we talk about R threes all the time. Um, someone asked me recently, I don't understand. So, you guys meet here sometimes, but you—they didn't really get it. And I'm like, okay, how do I um, how do I get you the answers that you're searching for? Because they're just trying to understand like the shift in, and they're brand new to our church, but they're trying to understand the shift in traditional church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, talk to that. How 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 has this shift been for you guys? How um uh because here's here's the reality we we just got back from time away for a few weeks and i got back and i and in those few weeks we were away i saw um all these celebrations and i saw more people than ever inviting people to a church gathering and those people actually coming yeah right um Uh, Because it's hard to invite someone in Scarborough to come down Mm -hmm. uh, to downtown, right? Mm -hmm. But you can invite someone in Scarborough to stay in Scarborough. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, so, um, you know, I've seen that. I've seen people having a direct hand in leading other people to the Lord than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Um, like normally it's like the church doing it or, you know, you invite yeah. your pr- friend to church and like it just happens. But I've seen that. I've seen more people living out on mission than ever before and, and groups doing that. More faith conversations than ever before. And so what we're doing is actually getting to what to discipleship and what we want to see happen. Yeah. So how's it been for you guys? What is this? What is this? Um, uh, yeah, let's just start there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's been what's what's been so cool to see what you're saying is there's there's been a move a shift from like a more of a passivity to like an activeness of of seeing people like you said there's an intentionality between behind conversations with neighbors or a friend co whatever the case may be um that you know in, in, a, in a in a in a framework where it's harder to invite somebody into something that's um you know, like, on a, on a Sunday morning, it's hard to invite somebody into this huge, large group gathering. Not that that's, that's necessarily bad, but it's harder to get the ask into that, whereas, like, a more intimate environment, um, people are more open to doing that, and we're seeing that, you know? Like you said, it's, it's been exciting to see sort of, like, that shift.
1: Yeah, thing. and I feel like this way of, like, this framework, this way of doing church is, like, it really feels more like we, like and as somebody who um has been a leader and has felt isolated in leadership this has been the exact opposite i have i have there's interdependence there's like the real body of christ like using gifts and um and i just like i am i'm so like i'm i'm loving it i'm loving this change um everyone like it's not a spectator thing anymore because our world really pushes for that a lot like We just consume 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 and like you know it's so tempting to go to church like I I, like I said I've been in church like in church leadership for a while people just come consume and then leave but here it's like everyone we're all in we're all in this together Mm -hmm. and um and yeah it's so like I I can already see how it like that that burden is like shared like not burden but you know what I mean like the responsibility the ownership is like shared and it's like Freeing, Like, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it personally as a leader. Um, and it's such a joy, too, to see, like, all the things that you guys are experiencing, joy, like seeing people do things they haven't done before or seeing more of it. Um, yeah. yeah. So.
0: So how do we, how do you reconcile what we're doing with the more traditional church mindset? Because there's churches all over our city that we love, mm-hmm. that we want to push forward as well. But their model now is completely different from ours um, and uh, I know for I've had conversations with some of our people and we've did our survey where we heard this from people, they have a hard time saying that's still viable, that traditional church model um, because they're so into living on mission and what and what we're doing as a church. and And so how do we how do we reconcile that? what What is our role in that uh, for city for, for our country, for for the church in the West.
2: Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Yeah, yeah you want to go first?
2: Okay, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs>
1: um, so there, there's a story in scripture that I want to talk about in a second. But um, I like we are, you know, our local. Okay, the local church is so important. Like we, like we need to be in community with each other. Um, in doing life with each other that close like fellowship um for all the reasons we talked about like guarding against you know Mm -hmm. sin and all those Mm -hmm. things um and god does specific things through each family right of believers so i do not look at any like what's the point of comparing that's not our job like we just like um and then uh i think that a lot of churches like even over the like centuries like they've done things differently, they've changed, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And sometimes when that happens, it doesn't mean that what was happening was bad. It just means maybe God's doing a new thing, right? And, or he's doing a different thing to reach those specific people or, so I don't think it's really, productive to compare. And I think there's this quote that I heard recently, and I'm like, oh, and it's like an ancient Chinese quote, too. It's like a rising tide lifts all the boats or something like that. Mm-hmm. I heard it. I think people use it to just talk about the economy. But I think that's how the spirit works. Like if we focus not on the church, but on the kingdom, mm-hmm. like when the spirit is moving in a place, like everybody will be built up. Yeah. right? All, so our church, the church down the street, the several many churches in Scarborough, they're all doing different things. Um, so I think we can celebrate our differences, but focus on what God has called us to do and be faithful mm-hmm. to that. Um, I think is really important. And so the story I was going to talk about is like Paul and Barnabas. Like um, they had a disagreement. It was a very sharp disagreement, and it was it wasn't a matter of like um, doctrinal issues or anything. That it was like a judgment call of like mm-hmm. what is God calling us to do. And it was over um, Mark, right? Like, they were, should we take him? Should we not take him? They ended up having such a sharp disagreement that they went different directions. But then they took the gospel to, like, different,
2: different places, yeah. right?
1: So I don't see the benefit of, like, yeah, comparing, I think. Um, but I do think we need to be faithful to what God has called us to do. That's, like, yeah. so important. We have to be owning our part of the body of, like, yeah. And,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. that's
2: good. I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. But I think that like, we, can, we can talk about how we've heard God and, mm-hmm. and where we're going and what we're doing and we're following in obedience. It doesn't mean that the you know any other church isn't doing that because they're doing their thing. But right. I think what your your point is is valid that it's like distinction of like okay this is what we heard from God and this is we want to be obedient to that and that's what
0: we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, I mean that's just it, right? It goes back to Jesus being the chief shepherd to us, hearing from him, and uh, there's this like 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 I was saying there's this. I always have this questioning: why are we doing this is that necessary should we do this and and this didn't happen overnight either this is no, yeah. years and years and years of trying to live on mission for it's God. It's
1: been slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's felt slow for someone.
0: Yeah yeah. and that's in this context too in this yeah. cultural context so we're not just just talking about the church we're talking about the urban context we're talking about the specifically Toronto uh, urban context and uh, and it's necessary for us to, to look at the church in love and deconstruct and say, for our generation, for this group of people here in this city at this time, what is God asking us to do? Mm-hmm. And, and how does he want us to accomplish that? Because we're not going to reach everybody in no. Toronto. Um, uh, but how, does he, how do we become a part of raising the tide? Uh, following and joining in his work building
1: up the wider body right Right. like living our part and building up the wider and yeah and we we can have influence as well right Mm -hmm. like so yeah
0: yeah so um oh there's a couple other things i want to get to but i don't know if we can do that now (laughs) Uh, let's just close with this um how to someone out there how can they live, live out in our church's vision and mission and strategy? How can they specifically do that starting today? What do they need to do um, today? And let's assume, uh, well, let's say first, if you're not in an R3. Like, that's
2: where I was going to start, yeah. Yeah,
0: yes. let's... Speed. Yeah, talk going about an that. R3. Get, get
2: into 3 Yeah. Like, to...
1: you're in or you're out. If you're out, that's fine. We're not offended. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're in, like, be yeah. in. Be like, in. Right. be in with us. Like, don't be a spectator. Come along with us. And we do desire you to come along with us because yeah. we're yeah. excited and um, we... Uh, yeah, and so, for sure. That's the first... I think that's, that's the first that's step. That's got to be the first step, um, yeah. And then when you're in an R3... Um, I would say, maybe shift the, like, really have that, take on that we, Mm -hmm. like, mentality, like, don't just wait, like, um, I think there's, like, a maturing that happens in our faith, like, when you're a new Christian, and you're just, like, learning, um, you know, the scriptures talk about being, like, fed, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. but then, like, take ownership of your faith, like, yeah, yeah, anyway, that's, like,
2: it's a distinction, it's not, it's not, um, or three leaders faith or or whoever you see in this type of environment right like it's yours and
0: so you and to own that. they're discipling you to disciple others, others yeah
2: exactly. that is the model yeah
0: that is what jesus asked us to do
2: right yeah um,
0: that's what he did for us and so if we're going to imitate him and follow him we do that uh we submit ourselves to discipleship in order to disciple others and um and that's, everybody in our church does that. Yeah. And, and so when we talk about our church, we're talking about those people who are in our three groups. Like mm-hmm. that, because they've submitted themselves to discipleship. And so like Michelle said, we want you yeah. in. So if you're just hanging around, trying to wait till we get back to like regular church um, it's not ever going to get back. Is this church. is regular church. <laughs> this is regular church. So this is church.
1: This is who we are.
0: Jump into R3. Jump into discipleship. It will change your life. It will transform your faith. Um, and you'll discover your faith anew. Mm. Uh, and and so jump into that. Our contact forms are on the website and, and all that. Because next week, guys, we're going to have a big rally. It will be our first public gathering together again, our first large group corporate gathering, that's not regular church. We're not going back to the regular old thing. That's a celebration of prayer, praise, prophecy of what God's doing in our church uh, through R3. So it's all the R3s gathered. So um, you can come to that if you're not on R3, but you're going to be like, what's going on? Because um, or maybe you'll be like, I want to be a part of that, hopefully. <laughs> um, so Check that out. And, um, yeah, gosh, there's so much more I wanted to get to. But, uh, we just love
1: having faith conversations. I know. It's yeah. <laughs> um, so good. <laughs> um, hopefully
0: this whole series has been beneficial for you. Yeah. And um, know that this is just the beginning. Foundation for us to have these conversations. Have these
1: right. conversations in your R3. Yep. Keep it going. Yeah. That's Thanks. what it's about.
0: It doesn't have to stop.
2: It, does, it keeps, keeps yep. going.
0: I yeah. And just do it in humility, gentleness, and respect. Yeah. Let's pray. God, thank you for just this time. And so clothe us with humility and gentleness and respect. Produce your fruit in a spirit so that when we have these conversations in the church and outside the church, that people would taste and see and know that you are good. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Oof. Yay. That was long
2: go ahead. time is it? It's, 11, it's, 19, it's yeah. after ah, 11. Go, go, go. Run. You know
1: what? I always give myself buffers. That's good. Good, good, good. good.
2: Yeah. I knew. Yeah. But yes, I got to give the microphone. Okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> 1130 <laughs> is my oh, was okay, like. Oh, is that your cutoff? Okay. That's good. That's good.
0: The on the last time. Oh, I, I know.
2: I bolted because I was like, I got to go. I got to get back to work. And then I was like, shoot. So I just dropped it off.
1: You did that um, lovely letter for
2: me. Oh, switch mics. (laughs)